0: Following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. So, turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter seven. Uh, we're going to look at um, verses thirty-six through fifty, and that's on page eight hundred and sixty-four in the pew. Pub- Bibles. Um, I hope you all appreciated um, Lou Goings' message last week. Uh, I know, I know that I, I did. Um, and I, yeah, I, I had never even heard the expression um, justification by faith until I met Lou, going at Vic's um, Fifty years ago, or I don't know, that was a lifetime ago. Um, But before, yeah, that's what I felt like. Um, I, you know, like I told you, Lou was the um, theology professor um, at Bix, and um, and I have to say, one statement that he made uh, last week that was especially powerful to me personally. Yeah, I'm really tired. It's that God loves you. He doesn't just put up with you. And that, I mean, there's a lot of layers to that onion for me personally, but that was just a very powerful thought, and I really appreciated that. Um, And that theme of justification by faith is certainly present in our text uh, for this morning as well in Luke 7. So let's look at that together. Luke 7 beginning at verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked him, as Jesus to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster, alabaster flask of ointment and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is and who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, answering, said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. (laughs) And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's pray. Father, it's clear I'm going to need your help to rightly divide your word this morning. We pray, Father, that your spirit would speak. Speak to us, Lord. Soften our hearts to receive your message. Open our ears to hear it. Open our eyes to see your face. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So in this account, we have three characters. Jesus, a Pharisee named Simon, who invited Jesus over to dinner, and a woman of the city, who was a sinner. Now, don't start thinking those three characters it must be three points. There isn't. We all know about Simon and the Pharisee and the sinful woman. All we know about them is right here in the text. They don't appear elsewhere in Scripture, uh, at least not by name. Uh, And to be clear, the woman here is not to be confused with Mary from Bethany, who is the sister of Martha and Lazarus, who who also um, anointed Jesus with oil and wiped his feet with her hair. That account can be found in Matthew's gospel. It's not the same woman, not the same occurrence. There's also no evidence in Scripture that this woman is Mary Magdalene, uh, which is a popular but incorrect assumption. Um, All we know is that she was a woman from the city that Jesus was in, and we don't know what city it was because the Bible doesn't say. Um, What we do know about her is that she had a pretty bad and well-earned reputation. She was a, a woman of ill repute. What exactly that means, we don't know, whether she was a prostitute or, or myriad other things that could give somebody a really terrible reputation in town. Um, maybe she was a Yankees fan, cheered for the Jets, I don't know, it could have been anything. Now, as often, as, as often happens in stories in the New Testament, these accounts, um, those that hear it have a tendency to identify with one or other of the characters, seeing themselves reflected in them. I think that's probably what's, <laughs> it's what's happening to me because um, I see myself all over this story in all of the bad ways, in all the worst ways. And I wonder as we look at the account which one y- you I might identify with. Each of the three characters expresses an attitude that we can take a lesson from. But like I said... That doesn't make this a three-point sermon. First, we're introduced to Simon, a Pharisee. Um, Simon expresses judgment, right? Not sound judgment, not good judgment. Uh, Simon passes judgment, both on Jesus and on this woman who entered his home. Now, it's clear from the text that... um, at least initially, Simon had not made up his mind about Jesus. You know, it's possible that his intentions for inviting Jesus over for supper weren't pure. Like maybe he was just looking to better his social standing uh, by having this well-known rabbi come to his house and, and, and eat with him. And it's also possible that he was just merely curious about Jesus and his message um, and wanted to question him himself within the confines of his home rather than out in the, in the public square in the marketplace. But it's also clear from this account that this dinner was far from a private event. Um, banquets in that day tended to be a little more public than a dinner party that you might throw at your house where your, da- your neighbors just kind of wander over and stick their heads in the window um, to see what's going on and maybe what you're serving and listen to the conversation um, A little more, it was a little more public than it might be at your house. There are other, or maybe it's super public at your house. I don't know. Your neighbors are there all the time. That triple pane glass was not a thing in first century Palestine. Like, go away. Yeah. Yeah, curtains. I recommend curtains. So there are other guests there at the table, um, as well as those around the city who are leaning in, you know, wanted to hear the conversation, wanted to catch a glimpse of Jesus. And that included this sinful woman. She was she got in, whether she was invited or allowed or disallowed or just showed up. We don't know. Again, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at a table. This is just a a thing I want to explain, because the New Testament, especially the English Standard Version, uses this uh, expression, reclined at table, which is lousy English, but um, they didn't sit in chairs, they they didn't sit around the table like you're sitting in the pews. Um, It probably looked a little more like this. They're, I'm reclining at the table, right? There's no other way for Jesus' feet to get behind him, unless he's like laying out on his belly. I don't. Then you don't need a table anymore, so it cuts down on your furniture budget. budget but I don't think that that's not what's going on, right? So, um, yeah, I'll entertain your friends with that idea. Um, Okay, so Jesus is reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, and the woman brought an alabaster alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet... He would have known who and what sort of woman this is and who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Yuck. So it appears that Simon's mind is made up after watching this display. Uh, And he made his judgment about Jesus and he made his judgment about the woman. He decided that Jesus could not possibly be a prophet because he did not display the power nor the holiness expected of a prophet. Simon decided that since prophets know what is hidden and shudder at the contact, contact of the unholy, that Jesus was disqualified. He couldn't possibly be a prophet. A prophet would know, this is a lady that you don't want to be around. Jesus either didn't know or didn't care what kind of woman it was that was touching him. So, Simon clearly had already passed judgment on this woman before she even got there. He knew her. Everybody in town did. But now, because of that, he had passed judgment on Jesus. And I don't know about you, but it is the most wonderful and terrifying thing that Jesus knows the heart of a man. That includes women, too, I he knows the heart of a human. Okay? Jesus, knowing this man's heart and his thoughts, answered his judgment. Jesus answered, said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. <laughs> if Jesus says that to you, <laughs> like, can you just write it down? Just... Email it to me. I'll read it later. <laughs> no. He says, say it, teacher. Say it, rabbi. And Jesus says, a certain money lender has two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you've judged rightly. Then turning to the woman, he said to Simon, You see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she's wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she's not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she's anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you her sins, which are many, Are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. Providing water to wash the feet of guests, greeting them with a kiss, anointing their heads with oil was customary in first century Palestine. This is not over and above what you would expect. If you were invited to someone's house to eat, this is the kind of treatment you would expect would expect to wash the dirt off your feet, right? And and be greeted with a kiss. Have your head anointed with oil? Simon neglected these common gestures when he invited Jesus over. Simple things like greeting your guests with a handshake or a hug, right? Taking their coat, offering them something to drink. That's what you would do. Simon didn't. He neglected all of that. But this woman, in her humility and love for Jesus, or her, her conviction of, of messages that she had heard, perhaps her own experience being healed by Jesus, or one of her loved ones being healed by Jesus, we don't know. She was moved by Jesus and his presence. And she washed his feet with her own tears. She continuously kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant ointment. Simon displayed zero love for Jesus, merely curiosity. The woman displayed, humbly displayed great love for him. And Jesus' parable, as they often do, exposed the heart of Simon. Simon. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Now, the commentators that I read about this, they say this is the difference between owing somebody $7.50 and $750. Most of the commentators that I read wrote in the 1800s. So here it is, 2023, the value of a dollar. Now we're talking... Like $50 versus $5,000 or $500, right? It's a, it's a big gap. When they could not pay, who could not pay? Both, both of them, right? Simon missed that point. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you've judged rightly. It's logic, right? But Simon misses the point. There are two debtors in this scenario, and his focus was on one. In this whole exchange, our, our tendency is to focus on the actions of the woman and how she expressed her great love for Jesus because she'd been forgiven for so much. For she was the greater debtor in this story, and Jesus agreed with that. But Simon also missed the point that there are two debtors who couldn't pay. The moneylender extended grace to both. and He canceled the debt of both. Simon was blind to his own sin. He passed judgment on everyone there except himself. It was evidenced by his expression of zero love for Jesus not even the customary welcome that any guest would expect. Why is that, do you suppose? Was he just a jerk? I mean, there are jerks here. And so (laughs) he didn't express love because he didn't understand love. Our world wants to tell us that love has no boundaries. There are no rules. Love is love. And it doesn't matter. The world doesn't understand what love actually is. The world uses the word love and means affection. It does not mean love. Because affection is how you feel. Uh, it's, it's whatever is tugging at your heartstrings, whatever. That's not Love. Love is deliberately putting the needs and the good of others before yourself. It is choosing to put another first. That's what love is. That's what the biblical definition of the word love is. Just because culture changes, just because the opinions of people move around, and especially in the English language where we just twist words around to mean something that they never meant, we change verbs into nouns, and nouns into verbs. I'm sick of adulting. That's why I love ancient Greek. It's just not changing because everybody is dead. It's just not going to change. It's fantastic. Ray Stedman says it is impossible to love that kind of love, not affection. It's impossible to love until you understand how much you have been forgiven. Simon didn't feel he needed forgiveness. Simon did not feel like there was anything wrong with him. It just so happens that Simon was a Pharisee, and they believed that their uh, at least public keeping of the law made them right before God. Even now, the, the Jewish people are taught that they are right with God simply because they are, uh, they are children of Abraham that it doesn't matter what you do. You're Jewish, so you're okay. This is not right. It doesn't matter. It's the same as being born to Christian parents. Is Parker Lamar saved because his parents are saved? No, I'm afraid not. It's personal trust in Jesus Christ. That's what wipes away our sin. Not being born into a Christian family like being born in a garage. Now you're a Pontiac? It's <laughs> a good car. Though Simon answered Jesus correctly, that the debtor with the greater debt would love the moneylender more, he was wrong about everything else. He was wrong because he judged that Jesus was not a prophet, say nothing about being Messiah. He was wrong because he decided that he was better than the sinful woman and was offended at her presence. If he was conscious of his own sin, he wouldn't have invited Jesus into his house. right? Remember the centurion that sent for Jesus to heal his servant? And he said, I'm not even worthy to have you enter my home. Right? That's Now you're talking. That's not Simon's attitude. He's wrong because he didn't realize nor recognize his own debt of sin and his own inability to pay for it. He was wrong because he didn't extend grace, because he didn't understand grace. He's wrong because he didn't love Jesus. Now, like I said before, we tend to identify with characters and stories. Most often the heroes. Right? Everybody wants to be Captain America. Don't, don't they? Right? We all want to think we're the good guy in every scenario, in every situation. But if we're honest, there are plenty of times when we're more like Simon than we are the woman, this repentant woman. John Calvin wrote, Simon's mistake lies only in this. Not considering that Christ came to save what was lost, he rashly concludes that Christ does not distinguish between the worthy and the unworthy. That we might not share in this dislike, let us learn, first, that Christ was given as a deliverer to miserable and lost people and to restore them from death to life. Secondly, let every person examine himself and his life and then we will not wonder that others are omitted along with us, for no one will dare to place themselves above others. Who is unworthy to receive forgiveness? All of them. All of us. Who deserved to have Jesus sit at their table? Nobody. Simon missed that. Let's not miss that. In our culture, in our society, the pressure from opinions of others, from the online presence to TV screens, to movie screens, to whatever, is to compare ourselves with others. That's why social media exists. And I'm saying that as a hypocrite. I have it. And I love putting pictures of Patroller of the Week, Keith Keniston. (laughs) Why? So that you'll see. Right? So that you'll see. Isn't that why we do it? Simon is just as unworthy as the woman to receive forgiveness, and so are we. That's what makes the grace of Christ so amazing. It's been said, we all stand as equals at the foot of the cross. For God showed his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's what love is. That's the definition. Christ died for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, how can we ever thank you enough for your love for us? We are undeserving We're unworthy. Often we're unrepentant. Often we're unaware that we've even done anything. We pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would convict us. That we would see um, where we fall short. Those areas in our lives that we need to let go of. Those things that influence us that we need to throw out that we would live lives that are pleasing to you. And Lord, at the same time, may no one ever feel the pressure of needing to get cleaned up before they can come to Jesus. No one washes their hands before they take a shower. Lord, I pray that the truth of your love would be greater than our feeling of guilt and needing to get cleaned up first. May those that don't know you simply turn to you in faith and worry about the details later. You're the one that does the cleaning. You're the one that moves things around in our lives, in our hearts. So we pray, Father, that you would rearrange the furniture of our lives, that we would keep first things first, to remain humble and grateful for your love for us. And may we be a little bit more like this woman in the story. Regardless of her sin, saw the great worth of the Savior. Sacrificed things that were of great value to her. And humbly knelt at your feet. Washed your feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. May we all live lives of such humility before our Savior. We love you. We thank you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipie, New Hampshire, 03890.